are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez, and I'm thrilled to be joined today with Michael Factor. He is an IBM fellow at IBM Research, focusing on cloud data research. Last year, I had the opportunity to listen to several pre- presentations from IBM uh, that they gave to the industry analyst community about a wide range of topics in and around uh, data, artificial intelligence, and research. And I thought it'd be great to share these trends with the podcast audience. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Maribel. Um, Perhaps we can start with a getting to know you question. Uh, Could you share what you're working on for IBM Research today? Sure. Um, So I, along with a colleague of mine, are responsible for leading global research around uh, hybrid data, basically looking at how we enable getting value out of using data as that data gets distributed in different locations. You know, maybe it's on-prem, maybe it's in legacy systems, maybe on a private cloud, maybe on public clouds, or maybe in various SaaS solutions and looking, you know, across the board on how do we simplify using that data and enable, you know, getting value out of that data? What are the innovations that we need to develop to, you know, to, 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 to enable uh, users of data to really get the value out of the data, not spend time, you know, with the drudgery around enabling them to get the value? I'd like to transition into a discussion about um, the hybrid data fabric, which was one of the presentations I listened to, to level set for the audience, what is a hybrid data fabric? So a hybrid data fabric is really about you know, getting the value out of the data when the data is, 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 is distributed in different locations. It's really trying to greatly simplify um, the time to value by ensuring that a data user is able to have the right data at the right place, with the right security, in the right shape, at the right time, without them having to spend weeks and weeks, you know, trying to to find the data, trying to to get access to the data, ensuring the data is is transformed into the shape they want, but really letting them just focus on, you know, they want to build a AI model or they want to generate a report, just focus on that piece and not all the stuff that's around it. And, and, And a key aspect right, of, of enabling this is having the right metadata in place, right? Because in order to find the data, in order to ensure that it's in the right location and in order to ensure that, ensure that it's in the right shape, you need to have a lot of information about that data, which is the metadata, which can tell us, you know, that this data contains information about customers or, you know, this is a birth date, but also beyond just information and metadata on the data, information on systems and where the user is and, 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 and what servers they're using and um, you know various facilities and resources that a company might have. 
That makes total sense to me. So from your perspective at IBM Research, what do you see as the main customer problems that this hybrid data fabric will address? So at the highest level, it's time to value. And maybe let me share an example that you know we got from a customer when we first started this journey working on a hybrid data fabric a couple of years ago. This is a major banking customer. And they shared with us you know, the scenarios and the use cases, right? They had a data scientist who was tasked, tasked with building a fraud detection model. And to do this, she needed to find the data that you know was appropriate for building that model. And when she finally found that data, which entailed a lot of you know talking to colleagues, informal networks, no real good process of finding that data, right? Uh, she would have to get permission to use the data. And she then went into a, a process that could take three to five weeks, would involve email, phone calls, Microsoft Teams of a back and forth to governance officer to try to get access to data. You know, initially she might be rejected. It would entail an escalation. She would need to refine a request. Finally, the governance officer would approve having her have access to the data. Now, once she had access to the data, right, because in this bank, they didn't have the right hardware facilities to build the model on-prem, but the data existed on-prem, she had to go to a, a system operator, an IT person, and basically have that person extract the data, transform the data according to the rules the governance officer defined, and copy that data over into the cloud, which again was a manual, drawn-out, painful process um, in order for her to get access to the data. And of course, once she was given that copy of the data, the governance officer was supposed to be controlling access in some sense lost all control, right? Because the data scientist now has a copy of the data and what's to prevent her other than processes, right? Manual processes from, from you know, misusing that access to the data, right? And, you know, talking to another bank, we heard that, you know, their data scientists spend a day a week actually building models. The other four days a week are dealing with all the drudgery around getting access to the data, getting the data in the right shape, getting the data in the right places. And so what we're really looking at is, is time to value, looking at how to take away some of the manual processes around governance and security, enabling it to be much easier to find the right data and taking into account your resource constraints. You know, am I running this workload in the right place? Am I running it in the right way uh, to you know, minimize cost, maximize uh, uh, performance? So I want to pick up on something you just said there. Um, you were you started to talk about some of the key technical considerations you have. So what technology areas need to be considered in addressing these new use cases? Right. So 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 you know I think there's m multiple technology areas that we need to be looking at. The ultimate objective always though is trying to make it simpler. Right. How can we sort of go from you know policies that may be written down in today or manual policies and turn those policies into code so that they're automated, right? And so a key piece of this is, is automation, right? What we really wanna be able to do is take policies that various personas express in a language that they're comfortable with and turn those policies into code, automate their, their, their enforcement, automate their execution. Uh, another key piece around here is, is metadata. You know, I mentioned metadata before, but how do we extract the metadata? How do we integrate the metadata? And often, you know, we need to enrich the metadata, right? If we, you know, look at a database table and we see a column, right? And that column has numbers, right? 
you know, maybe the column is defined to be an integer. You know, is that a dollar amount? Is it a date? Is it a timestamp? Right. You know, there's a huge difference in how you treat that data. If you want to know if you, it, it, if you know whether or not it's a, you know, a timestamp or a, you know, a, 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 a ID or, or, or what exactly it is. And so you often have to look in the data and, and apply techniques such as rules or AI-based uh, systems to understand what the data actually is, right? So the key pieces here, you know, are how do you orchestrate and automate and how do you get the metadata and enrich that metadata? Uh, and, and then one more area that we think is really important is data integration, right? You know, I talked about the data fabric is about, you know, you have data on-prem and you have data in a cloud and you have data in a private cloud. And, and, and often you're gonna process this data where it's located. But that being said, there's oftentimes needs to do integration, right? So, you know, I may have a system of record that's on-prem and then I may wanna do machine learning in a public cloud. And so I have a process of problem of integration. How do I move that data, right? In the right form, in the right shape, at the right time, at the right cost from my on-prem system to the public cloud and store it in the public cloud in a way I can use it. So, you know, automation, metadata and integration. Okay, I think that three things is the perfect amount of technologies to talk about. We can wrap our heads around that. So can you tell us a little bit more about what IBM Research is doing in those technology areas? And in your opinion, is there something unique about the approach to data fabric that you're taking at IBM Research? Uh, sure. So, so one of the key areas we're working, one of the key projects we're working on, which is actually an open source project, it's called Fibric. It, it's a play on fabric and fiber, uh, spelled F-Y-B-R-I-K. If anyone is interested, you can, can Google it. Uh, and what Fibric is about is, is, is basically the automation process, right? It works by addressing the needs of different personas. So for instance, a governance officer, a data scientist, a uh, you know, data steward, a systems operator, each of which who express their needs as, you know, as, as policies in a language they want. So, you know, a data user might say, I want to build a model and I'm building the model in, in, in the Netherlands and I'm, you know, building this model for fraud detection purposes or it's marketing purposes. And these are the data I want to use, right? And a governance officer may express her needs in the form of, you know, uh, you know, personal information can only be moved out of, you know, you know, a particular country if for, for, for purposes of building, you know, you know, fraud detection or know your customer uh, scenarios and only if certain types of personal information is masked before being moved from the country. But for marketing purposes, it can never leave the country. And, um, you, you know, so, 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 so that's the type of stuff that a governance officer might say. And a you know systems operator might have information that you know I have a contract with cloud provider X that gives me you know a more cost-effective means of running certain types of workloads. But if I have you know used up my budget on cloud provider X, then use cloud provider Y. But before using either of them, see if I have facilities available and resources available on-prem because that's resources I've already paid for, right? And so each of these personas will describe their needs as policies. 
And then what Fibric does is compiles those policies into a deployment descriptor, into a set of code that actually executes what the data user wants to do. In this case, we had a data scientist who wanted to build a model, right? And we know what code she wants to use to build that model, but wraps that code with other code that enforces these other non-functional requirements, the requirements that are coming from the governance office or the requirements that are coming from the operator and ensures those are enforced. And, and Fibric, as I said, is, is, is open source. It's an open architecture. It can plug in to different tools in which some of these policies may, may be expressed. So for instance, it can plug in with various data catalogs. Uh, we support you know, having it plug in with, with Agiria, which is open source with a uh, a, a simple catalog that we provide with Fibric and with IBM's Watson Knowledge Catalog. Um, we also you know, support different ways of expressing policies, either from uh, Open Policy Agent or OPA or, 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 or IBM's Watson Knowledge Catalog. And what it does is Fibric takes the workload. It has a library of an extensible library of, of modules, of open source, uh, of, of modules, which are pluggable components, which provide those non-functional requirements. And Fibric orchestrates the combination of the user's workloads with selected modules from this library to meet the needs of all of the personas, right? The combined set of needs of all of the personas. Um, it, in doing this, Fibric is, going, is, 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 is Kubernetes-based, and it leverages mechanisms of Kubernetes to control the flow of data, control the communication between the components, and ensure that the user's workload is realizing the non-functional requirements without the data user, the data scientist in this example, having to be, be aware of it. Uh, one more thing Fibric enables us to do, right, which was one of our objectives, is to avoid giving credentials to the user. right? And if, if, it, if the data user doesn't have credentials, it's much harder for those credentials to leak. And by having Fibric intermediate and control all the access to data, we're able to have only system controlled components have actual data credentials and um, then avoid giving them to the user, which greatly reduces the, the likelihood of, of data leakage. So, you know, basically what Fibric, as I described, is really focused on is how do we automate and how do we orchestrate and get a lot of the drudgery to be taken out of the hands of things that people have to do and have the system enforce and implement that drudgery? I believe automation is going to be one of the key wins that organizations are going to focus on in 2022. Uh, so I, I like where you're going with this. Obviously, every enterprise company I speak with is doing something with some variant of Kubernetes. Uh, so Kubernetes is obviously a very popular foundation that sort of forks a little bit, but is is a very popular foundation. And then, of course, the credentialing is actually really interesting because so many people are struggling with, as you mentioned earlier, where the data is, what do you do with the data? How do you how do you track the lineage and integrity of that? And so that that's actually a creative way of looking at that. Now, it strikes me that what you're talking about seems like it can be used across all industries. Um, is that fair? And do you see any industries that 
you think would pick up on this type of technology first? Yeah, it, de- it definitely can be used across all industries. Since our initial focus has been in areas around governance where security is important, it's going to be used first, I think, in scenarios and use cases where data is somewhat more sensitive. Uh, we've been focusing on financial services, but I can you know, easily see it you know, in a range of industries, you know, including retail or, or, or you know, various technology industries, automotive, because most industries do have some data where there are regulatory constraints, where there are governance constraints. You know, if you're operating in Europe, any data dealing with personal information from your company, you know, from your from your customers, has regulatory constraints. Similarly, if you're in California or if you're in Turkey, right? And so, essentially, what we're going to see is, for some of the data in pretty much any industry, this is going to be highly relevant because you know it helps the companies essentially stay out of jail, right? It helps them ensure that you know on the one hand they can get value of the data. On the other hand, they're they're going to confirm to the regulatory requirements that they're going to meet the government's governance needs. Thank you. That makes sense. So final question for you, Michael. How will we know you're making progress? What are the milestones we should be looking for? Um so so I think one of the way to to you know to know that we're making progress is, is sort of look for, for public demos with clients. You know, last year, uh, you know. At Think at IBM's big uh, conference, we sh- you know showed off Fibric working with ING uh, to demonstrate how it can govern. We're going you know continuing to work with clients. You know you will be able to see progress there. And then of course the other way is to look at our you know Git repository, our open source, and look at the blogs we publish about the code. And of course I would encourage you know if anyone is interested, we definitely would encourage contributions to the code. That's one of the reasons we've made it open source. Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time and attention, Michael. And we look forward to seeing your progress. And I'm going to put uh, some notes in the show notes of various places that you can go and investigate these solutions. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at aiwithml.com slash podcast. Until next time, wishing you all the best. 